Oh, postpartum. That blurry, blissful time after you have your baby. But what's it really like? What can you expect? How does it really feel to bring a new baby home? Hey, I'm Chelsea, and here on the Postpartum Project, I get to talk to real moms about their postpartum experiences, because I believe that sharing our stories can help other moms feel seen and less alone. Yep, it's messy, but it's also pretty magical. Welcome to the Postpartum Project. Today I'm talking to Megan. She's a mom of three, and each of her postpartum experiences led her closer and closer to the support that she really needed. But it wasn't without some trial and error and a little bit of heartache. Here's her story. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. So first, I would love to just hear about you and what you do for work, who you were before kids, all that jazz. So I am a stay-at-home mama to my three kids. Um, I've been that way for eight years now. My oldest just turned eight last Monday, and I focus on them. I focus on creating a home and building them up and, you know, to get a little into parenting, but not too far, but like we're a gentle parenting household and um, like an attachment parenting household. So we focused on building those bonds. And my husband um, is at work a lot of the time and um, he's in medicine and I'll share it in a minute, but I worked as a nurse before kids. Um, and that was a decision we made because we would both be gone all the time if we were going to have our kids, like we wanted to be home. Um, and so, yeah, I've been a home mama for all of our parenting journey. Um, and before that, I mentioned I worked as a nurse and I graduated in nurse, from nursing school in 2000. And so I was at the bedside for almost 10 years um, before we started having kids. Yeah, definitely. And did you find that before you had kids, um, when you were nursing, you know, how are you feeling about it entering into parenthood and wanting to think about having kids? Bedside nursing is, can be really intense. Bedside nursing can be very intense, um, but it's one of those careers that led me to motherhood or maybe motherhood led me to nursing because I was truly a born nurturer. Like I want to care for things. I'm going to love things. Um, I want to, you know, just nurture <laughs> to, for lack of a better word. Um, so I, so I met my husband, let's back up a moment. And I met my husband, um, when I was, in, I was living in Chicago, that was where I was born and raised. He was up there for his residency. And I mentioned he's in medicine. Um, we met at a Christmas work party and it was such a good fit that it was the first relationship that I'd been in where it just felt like home and it would, it just kind of flowed from there. Um, we fit together so well and we ended up moving to Houston, Texas when he got transferred for work. He wanted to come down and focus on kids. Like he loves kids too. And he wanted to do pediatric anesthesia. And so we came down here for his fellowship. Um, and I worked in nursing. He did his medicine, you know, we got married down here in, in Houston and then it was kind of, through the life milestones, we're like, okay, now is the time to have kids. It's, you know, like when, when do you jump in? Like you never really feel ready, but we wanted to kind of get through some of the big stressors in life before we had kids. So I was working in a pediatric cardiac unit here. Um, and it was, it was really intense, definitely a burnout. 
because you care so much and you give so much to your patients and it just can kind of get really overwhelming. And my husband and I, after we got married, we tried to grow our family and we go through um, losses really easily. We um, miscarried. We have an easy time getting pregnant, but we, we would miscarry around like the 10th or 12th week. Um, and that was really hard. And so we decided that I was going to step back a little bit and take some breathing space from nursing because it was such an incredible, you know, stressor. Um, and so I switched to just being an at-home, you know, wife before I was a, a mom. Um, and we, you know, got pregnant with our Charlotte. She was our first baby. And so because of all those losses, we were super anxious. That first pregnancy was not like I expected it to be. You see these pretty images of these glowing moms, you know, they're just happy laid back and, you know, building their nests. And I was like, oh, am I going to lose this baby? Is she going to stay with me? Um, what is this going to look like? So the whole pregnancy was pretty like full of anxiety. Um, and it kind of, that kind of steam trains into our birth story, really. We um, had a really, really long birth. It was like 36 hours. We were really late. We were post dates. We were almost 42 weeks, and I was with midwives at a hospital. And you know, they were they were great. I'm kind of a natural, holistic mama, and so I really wanted midwives. I wanted a natural, you know, birthing experience. Um, but they were, you know, starting to talk induction. You're 42 weeks. You know, you're almost 42 weeks. Let's get this started. Um, so that was also anxiety producing. So, you know, from there, it kind of just, it turned into something I didn't expect. So like the birth wasn't what I planned and I was really tired and she cried. <laughs> she cried, cried for her first, like literally three days. And we're like, this is not how it's supposed to be. And I was a mom baby nurse. And so I would take care of the newborns in the newborn nursery. And my husband is like, this is so hard. And I'm like, this isn't how it is normally. This isn't what I expected. Um, and I don't know if it was the anxiety or if it was, you know, just first time jitters, first time mom, not knowing what you're doing. Um, it was hard. Postpartum was really hard that first go around. Nothing like I expected it to be. Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell me a little bit about what you did expect it to be like before you had her? You know, I thought you'd have this sleeping baby who would you know, wake up, eat really well, you change their diaper, they would sleep, you would sleep, you know, the, the cliche sleep when baby sleeps, rest when you can. Um, don't worry about the housework. And I thought, oh, that's all, you know, that's all I'll do. You know, I won't worry about anything. You know, it'll be fine. Everything is fine. And she cried. I mean, she cried for the first nine months of her life, the poor thing you know, breastfeeding, you think that's going to be easy because it's natural and normal and it's anything but, you know, you don't get taught early on, like what you can expect. It's going to be awkward. You know, the positions that you hold the baby are awkward and that, you know, the learning each other and, you know, the baby doesn't know how to eat. Yeah, it is such like this crazy experience of yeah it's not it's not even though it's natural and normal it doesn't come naturally to most of us so that's crazy um so having a colicky baby uh what was that like for you you know physically recovering from birth and mentally emotionally all of that with a baby that was really unsettled it was really hard it was super hard because like we didn't have any support systems built in. And that's, you know, one of the, the, you know, the down 
parts of our, I think, society is that we are global. We're all over the place. We're not near our family. We don't have the village, you know, we don't have the built-in support systems. And it was really, really challenging to not be able to put her down. You know, she would want to nurse all the time and she had a tongue tie, she had a lip tie, which we'd found out in the hospital. And so we had that corrected the day we were discharged, like on day three. Um, we went and had her clipped and that was super traumatic, you know, to see your poor little newborn, like you wouldn't have, I wouldn't have expected or anticipated at all to have to go to a doctor's office on day three to have them, you know, clip a tissue in their mouth and have them bleed and cry. And it's like, that was really sad and it didn't make breastfeeding any easier. So it was like, why did we do this? And then it regrew. Like later on, we found out within the few months, like it had reattached. So breastfeeding was super hard. I'd had lactation consultants come out to our house over and over again, the whole year was a big challenge. It just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Like birth wasn't easy and beautiful. <laughs> Postpartum wasn't easy and beautiful. I guess that's a takeaway. Like it's hard. Like it's normal for it to be hard. It's hard for everybody. If they're telling you it's not hard, it's hard. <laughs> so, you know, time marches on and things do get a little easier. It will always get a little easier. They grow, they mature, they can set up that helped with GI stuff, you know, cause breastfeeding with her tongue tie and her colic, like we did an elimination diet because we were worried about dairy intolerances. I was eating nothing but turkey and mashed potatoes for half of her life. And that was fine. It was hard, but I'm a pretty determined mama. And you know, it was just what I had to do. You know what? I'll keep going. Cause the sun sets and the sun rises and the days tick on and the, you know, the days turn into weeks and months and years. And then it just gets easier. You know, they start sleeping a little better. You start sleeping a little better because you know that sleep doesn't come super easy for those first, you know, four, five, six months, which is normal. I want every mama out there to know that it is normal <laughs> that your baby wakes every two to three hours or sooner when they go through growth spurts because they want to be cuddled. They want food. They're growing. They don't understand their leaps that they're making. Um, and it's all normal. Like it is, it's so normal. And that doesn't make it any easier. It just makes it the way it's supposed to be. So after we had gotten through that first year and I had gone through some significant depression, which I then realized that was what was happening. Like this is really bad postpartum depression. You know, let's get some help. I went and talked to a talk therapist um, and that is huge. Getting it all out there, talking about all of the things from is this normal? Am I normal? Is this how it's supposed to be? Um, and hearing validation that it is was everything, right? Getting that help is, is so huge. And that's another thing that doesn't get talked about very often. Definitely. So what did, if you don't mind me asking, um, postpartum depression feel like for you in that first, with your first child? So, I mean, it comes in waves, right? Because I've been through three um, postpartums now. And I'll, I'll share with you on Matthew's because his was a little different. But both Charlotte and Hannah, my first and my second, I went through, you know, real tumultuous times. And to answer your question, like I read once, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Harry Potter books and J.K. Rowling, she has suffered through a ton of depression in her, in her life. And I read an article um, on her once. And this is huge because she made the Dementors, you know, the character in the book based on her interpretation of depression. And that is exactly what it feels like for me. 
in postpartum, like everything is being just completely taken out of you. Like the light is gone, you know, everything feels so heavy. Everything just feels so hopeless and empty. And when you're having your first baby and you go through something like that, it can be really jarring. Like you wonder what is happening. Like you see all of the images of moms joyful and full of love and the bonding that takes place. Um, and when you're missing that key piece, it's, it's really hard. It's a, it's really hard. Yeah, man. Oh man. Uh, I love hearing from you mamas on this podcast about your experiences because your vulnerability, I just feel like brings this light to it of like, this is what it was for me. And so many moms are experiencing this and just not talking about it and not getting help. So I'd love to know a little bit more about your experience with therapy and then moving kind of through that and starting to feel a little better. So I started my talk therapy, like we hit a low, right? Like it takes like the lowest of lows to make you like realize um, and that low happened at around the year mark, 12, 13 months. And my husband and I were struggling because marriage is hard when everything else is hard. And we were new parents and, you know, we, our marriage took a toll. And we were, I remember standing in my closet one day um, with him and we were, we were at a wall. It was um, really, really hard and something had to change. And so I said, I'm going to go and talk to somebody. Um, and it just started from there. And then I went to weekly talk therapy sessions, um, which, you know, parenting, if you haven't been a parent yet, please know that your children will bring out all of the triggers. And so all of that comes up. And so you work through them both with birth and postpartum and your parenting journey, your children will teach you. If you are teachable, they will open you up. You are broken and made into this new person. And um, through talk therapy, I was able to process everything that was going on um, and just heal, right? It's a healing journey. Um, it really, really is. And so I still talk to my talk therapist and that's seven years down the road. For those first two, three, four years, even it was weekly, bi-weekly, every once a month, you know, I would come and go in waves when I was feeling really good. It would be every couple of months and then I would get pregnant. Or when I got pregnant again with Hannah, you know, all of those fears about those postpartum challenges came up. And so I started talking with her again every week. And that was huge. That made such a big difference in the anxiety of my second pregnancy. Um, you know, all of it, especially because between Charlotte and Hannah, we'd experienced a third loss that was more traumatic that landed us in the hospital for bleeding. Um, you know, we just had all of this anxiety still kind of wrapped up around, you know, the, the pregnancy and that stage of, of mothering and parenting. Um, so talk therapy is, it was really essential for me to make it through all of those stages. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear about your pregnancy and birth experience with Hannah. Completely different. So completely different. So coming on the end of that miscarriage, that third miscarriage that was really traumatic, our midwives in the hospital, you know, at, because we've had a history of losses, you know, they really wanted me to be seen by the OB, especially during that first 13 weeks. They're like, after that trimester, you can come back to us. Um, and 
we made it through. My OB that was caring for me was fantastic, really naturally minded. Um, I love her to this day. She is wonderful. Um, it turned out the midwives were full and they wouldn't take me back. And so I was having a lot of anxiety with that. And I went on the search for other options and I really wanted to feel empowered with this birth. I knew and believed in my body um, that, you know, having read Ina May Gaskin's books and, you know, uh, gentle birthing, gentle mothering, birthing from within, all fantastic resources that this is within me. This is who I am and what I was made for. Um, so I found a home birth midwife who was amazing. She just brought it all to the table and reassured me and validated everything. Um, and it felt so safe. And so we decided on a home birth with Hannah. And let me tell you, <laughs> the difference between that pregnancy um, and Charlotte's pregnancy, whether it was like a difference between a first child, second child, or a hospital versus home, you know, care plan was everything. Like, everything. Yeah, that sounds like you had a better experience um, or just a different experience. Just different. just different. Yeah, different experience. Yeah, that felt really empowering for you. It was so different. The pregnancy itself was just relaxed and calming and reassuring. You're normal. This is normal. Your numbers look normal. Everything is healthy. Listen to this baby. Her heart rate is so good. You know, she would help with the attachment bonding, like in pregnancy, you know, having me write notes to the baby, write notes to myself, which I thought at the time sounded a little corny. Um, but it was so beautiful because it's like, you know, working with your inner child, like who is still there and needs attention sometimes. Um, and it just created this platform for it to feel normal. This birth is normal. This pregnancy is normal. And um, she came right on her due date. There was no like worry about being late. She was actually, I'm sorry, one day late, 40 weeks in one day. But I, there was no like anxiety about, oh, you're getting close to 40 weeks now. We're going to have to start talking about, you know, maybe intervening. Pat was like, this is good. She'll come when she's ready. You know, this is totally normal. And, you know, lo and behold, two o'clock in the afternoon, my waves started and I didn't give it any thought. I'm like, this will be a long road. If it's anything like my 36 hour birth with Charlotte, you know, we have a long way to go. Call my husband around 4.30, 5 o'clock. I said, you might want to start heading home because I'm a little uncomfortable. He pulls into the driveway. I'm at the neighbor's house with my then three and a half year old who's splashing in a kiddie pool rocking and rolling. I'm like in the driveway, <laughs> full on labor. My neighbor's like, are you sure you're okay? I'm like, it's going to be a while. You know, we should probably go get some dinner. So we were going to go out to dinner, like literally between the five houses. I'm like, why don't you just go pick up dinner? And then he ordered and I'm like, don't get me anything. I'm not really hungry to, I'm going to take Charlotte up for a bath because you know, she, this is around her bedtime. I showered. He got home with dinner. Let's make the bed. Let's build up the birth pool an hour and a half later, we had a baby. So it just came and went <laughs> completely different. Totally, totally different. Yep. <laughs> so with a very, very different um, pregnancy and birth experience, how did that move you into your second postpartum experience? And what was that like? So I had such high expectations then for having shifted the anxiety narrative and the birth with Hannah, I thought, oh, postpartum is going to be better. It's going to be easier. I'm going to have this down. I'm not going to have the hormonal, 
you know, mood shifts and swings, no postpartum depression. Well, no, that didn't, ha that didn't happen. I'm like, wait, what? Um, the birth was beautiful. I still felt a missing piece. Like I didn't have that immediate, like tearful, like joy. I was, the bonding didn't happen immediately, which was really sad and kind of kicked off like, oh, what is wrong with me now? Like, is there something different that I could have done, you know, and I tore and that was really, really hard for me. Um, tearing is a really hard thing that nobody talks about, like healing your perineum, having a wound on your bottom and all of the stuff that goes into healing after you have a baby. I mean, what? the stretching, the bruising, you're birthing this live being and it's, it's traumatic. Um, and I thought it would be easier. I thought I wouldn't tear this time, but all of that kind of steamed rolled into a postpartum that I didn't expect. I thought it would be as easy as the pregnancy was and birth. Um, so that was hard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, as you were healing and all of that, what did postpartum feel like for you with Hannah? totally different than Charlotte's. Um, I'd had support this time around my younger sister who was an angel. Like she came to live with us for a couple of months before and after the pregnancy. Cause I thought we were going to do it this different this time. It's going to have, you know, all the bells and whistles. We're going to have somebody to love on Charlotte. You know, while I was able to stay in bed, my midwife was so adamant about a nesting phase, like a three week nesting phase, like in the bed, around the bed, around the room. You don't leave your bedroom for the first three to four weeks. Um, she's, you know, she, actually it was a little longer than that. Um, she just wants you to bond with your baby. And I thought this was going to be the, this was going to make it all easier. Um, and the fact that it didn't it just reminded me that we're not in control. Like we have to surrender to the hormones, surrender to our own story, like who I am created, you know, all of it as well. Like my history and it's a piece of the puzzle. Um, pregnancy is a piece of the puzzle and you only have so much control over everything. Um, so I experienced some postpartum depression and some postpartum. This time it kind of manifested in rage, which is another piece that isn't talked about nearly enough because now we're getting a momentum about depression and sadness and not bonding with your babies. And it's really, really hard and that's all normal. But what happens when you're sitting in your car and you feel okay, but you're driving your three and a half year old to school and you have your newborn in the car seat and they're crying and you just get so angry. And there's such a rage component that you just want to zoom off and you have no regard for the, you know, for yourself and for your babies. And you're like, this is super, super scary. Um, this can't be right. This can't be normal. I must be wrong. I must be bad. I must be broken until you start talking about it with your therapist or your person or whoever. And it is, it exists, like it is, it exists and you're not wrong and you're not broken and it is scary. And this is when you need help. And that's a hard pill to swallow because again, you see the narrative and the cultural like story that it's beautiful and birth is easy and having a baby is just to go with the flow and you have to just make it work. And sometimes you just have to step back and say, this isn't working. Absolutely. I think postpartum rage is the one thing that we, it's just not on the radar. Like people don't talk about it. People don't sh like, I think that it's, there's a lot of shame that surrounds it because women are kind of conditioned to not get angry. 
And so when your hormones are going wild and all of a sudden you experience this like intense rage, it's like, oh, shoot, like that doesn't feel right. But who can I tell? Who could I even say this to that I'm feeling so angry that I'm about to snap? Yeah, we don't talk about that enough. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, It is so scary. Absolutely. It's terrifying. Um, Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about sort of was Hannah colicky? Was that part different? Hannah was an easy baby, man. She was just go with the flow. She is my wanderlust. She is my gypsy. She is my easy spirit. She is just all the things. She was she was a good nurser. You know, she was a fabulous breastfeeder, even though she was tied and we struggled with whether or not we were going to get her corrected. And I was still anxious. I had that postpartum anxiety. I'm like, what if I lose my supply because she's not fixed? You know, what is that going to look like at the the three or four month mark when it goes from a hormone driven system to a supply demand system? So we struggled and we ended up getting her um, ties clipped And that was super traumatic because she was a little bit older. I mean, seven, eight weeks or so. Um, And I went through some issues with that. That made me feel guilty. I felt bad making the choice and it didn't change our breastfeeding relationship that had been rock solid from the beginning. So I made a decision based on fear Um, and each step through motherhood. It's just more of a conviction that you need to trust your gut. You need to hone in on your instinct, your intuitive mother source that is there. That is so important to get us through. Um, these early stages of mothering. So, you know, that was a little bit different and she was, she was just an easy baby, but it didn't make it any better with the postpartum depression, anxiety. And then again, with her, it it manifested as rage. And so I went back into talk therapy because that's a hard piece for me. Like when I have a baby and this is my story, right? It may resonate with others and it may not, but I dive so far in, like I give 150%. So all of this care that I do in pregnancy, the weekly therapy, the massages, um, the chiropractor, the acupuncture, everything that like boosts me up during pregnancy just crashes. Like none of it happens. I barely get to sleep. I barely brush my teeth. I don't talk to anybody. I'm not getting all of that, you know, added love and, you know, bucket filling goodness that happens in those stages of pregnancy. And so I just fall off the cliff. Um, to the detriment of my kids and the, and the people around me. So it's a balancing act and it's something that we need to be aware of and have a plan for because we don't plan for postpartum. We plan for pregnancy, we plan for birth, but we don't plan for postpartum. And that is huge because it literally, that is every, postpartum is everything. <laughs> it really is everything. Yeah. I mean, like postpartum, we think about it the first six weeks, but truly it is from the time you have your baby until the time you die. Like you are in postpartum for the rest of your life as a mother and how we plan for postpartum really translates into the rest of our experience as a mom and how we kind of move through that. So um, with all of those things kind of going away, how did that feel emotionally and physically for you to be putting absolutely everything into your kids and not really yourself. I think that's the, that's the key piece for me um, that I am aware of now that drives the depression. Um, It really, really does. It, it is the lack of, you know, really planning out or thinking about implementing that at the same time, I can't really change any of it because babies come out and they are completely dependent on you and they should be, and they need to be with the mom. 
And I think too that I want to make aware that it is so important that we support mothers and not the babies of the mothers. Like we need to allow the mother to love on that baby, to bond with that baby while building her up. So like we need to build a foundation to like boost the mama so she can hold on to that baby while taking care of her baby and herself. You know, it's not just like, let me bring you a meal and hold your baby while you shower. It's like, how can I support you in a way that's gonna allow you to thrive in this postpartum period? You know, foods, nourishing nutrient-dense foods that are gonna, you know, replete the body that we've just lost all of these, you know, nutrients to breastfeeding and to the, you know, the placenta. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of as you moved through that first few years with Hannah and being a second time mom, um, how did that move you into your third child and your pregnancy with him and your birth? So by this time, you know, we started with babies late. I met my husband late and, you know, I didn't have my sweet Charlotte until I was almost 35. And so Hannah came along and I was 37. And, you know, we didn't really know if we were done, right? Like it's already a mature mom at that age. I I started as the mature mama. Geriatric pregnancy is what they want to call it, but I'm not going to buy into that one. Um, But being incredibly healthy, you know, and and just taking care of ourselves, like it didn't feel like we were in our late thirties. We felt like we were just like everybody else. Um, And we were on the fence. Do we want another one? Do we not want to go through this again? I mean, if I'd started younger, I would have had five or six kids because I just, I, I mean, I love the relationship that develops, um, you know, and I think it's a way for me to heal myself through my children because they're, I mean, they're everything. Um, so we were like going to try and then we were unsuccessful for the first few months and we're like, well, it's usually really easy. This must mean that we're not ready and we shouldn't have another baby. Um, but I ended up falling late once and then I had my period and I thought to myself, I have to have, you know, there's like this vision that came across when I was thinking about it. I was laying in bed and I felt like I could just see this little boy standing in front of me. Um, and I'm not doing the story any justice really, because it was truly like I could feel him in my room asking for me to come pick him up. And he was like, can you bring me home? And he looked just like my middle baby and it brought tears to my eyes and it still, it still brings tears to my eyes. And so I talked to my husband and I, I was like, this is what happened and this is how I feel. And here we are, you know, going to be 40. And I think we still have one more to come home. Um, and I can't tell you how true that was because, um, he is like this light. He is like this gift. He is really, truly the missing piece of our family. He is like the most joyful little boy. Um, and it was, it was amazing. His birth was an entirely different story. And to watch my older girl, who I think went through some trauma when her sister came, and she was really angry when she found out we were pregnant with the third. And um, that was hurtful and hard to handle and manage my feelings of being hurt with watching her feel hurt. It was healing for her to bring this life into our family again, because she was more mature. She was at the point now six and a half when she learned she was going to have another baby. Um, And to see her grow with him is everything because she is such a nurturer to him. Like she just loves him so big. 
Um, so we decided to have this, this, this third baby and I'm on the fence with sharing a story with you because it feels really, really raw. But um, we got pregnant with him and then we were really scared because here we are 40, what are we doing? And I'm not really sure if this is the right thing. And did you know that antenatal depression was a thing? Because if we're gonna talk about postpartum depression, um, never in my life had I had such a dark period in my life was during the first trimester with Matthew and we struggled. We really were torn on what to do. And I was at such a dark part in my life where we thought we were just going to let him go. And it was really, really hard, um, to grapple with that choice that I'd never even considered would be an option for me. And back and forth, we went to a doctor who would help us and we were on the table a couple of times and I'd get up and walk away. And I went through this roller coaster of emotions those six or seven weeks. And it was Easter break when we were at my in-laws and I drove back in from LaGrange, Texas to Houston to just do it because the original doctor said he wouldn't take care of me because he couldn't take care of a mom who wasn't so sure that this was the right choice for her. He wasn't in this for that. He needed to know that I knew what I was gonna, the choice I was making. So I found another doctor and I drove in and I sat in that waiting room and I opened up an email that had results from our early um, genetic testing, in which case they tell you if you have a boy or a girl. And I had, I'd had these results for about four weeks and I sat, them, sat with them and I hadn't opened them. And I was sitting on that couch in that doctor's office and I opened up and it said, you were having a boy. And I broke down in tears and I got up and walked out and called my husband and said, no matter what, we will make it work. And he said, I tell you that from the very beginning, we will always make it work. And this is, this is gonna be great. And pregnancy was not easy because if I had had that, that dark cloud over us, I thought to myself, what am I, you know, what was I thinking? What was I doing? What will he feel? Because I believe in the soul that grows and I, you know, he would feel all of my emotions. And I thought, was I doing him any justice? And um, it was, it was a very different pregnancy having gone through that first trimester and through that dark storm. Um, but when he was born, it was like the light just shone in the world and the, everything that I expected to happen at a birth happened. I cried tears of joy and I held on to him so tight. And it was, it was truly, um, it was truly miraculous. And it was just, um, I'm sorry, I'm really emotional right now. <laughs> Me too. I am like bawling over here. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for your vulnerability because I feel like that's just not a story that we hear. And that is such a beautiful, beautiful story. And I know that your son just turned one. Today. Today. <laughs> today. Oh, my gosh. He's one today. Oh, no wonder you're emotional. Um, birthdays are emotional anyway. Um, so with all of that being such a full story. Um, tell me about the last year postpartum with him. 
so his postpartum experience was, it was completely different. There was no, there was no depression. There was no anxiety. There was no rage. It felt, it felt so different. Um, it was blissful. It makes me sad and emotional to know that I didn't get that with my first and my second. It makes me feel bad for my girls because they didn't know this part of me that could just love openly and like give everything to the, you know, I would give everything, all of me, but there was this, there was this emotional piece that was missing. Um, you know, and I believe everything happens for a reason. I believe everything happens as it should happen. Um, their story is theirs and it doesn't make it better or worse, but it, I think we're all on this journey together and we all have pieces to offer some other people and whether there are children or our spouses or our friends or just the stories we tell that resonate with someone else um, to get them through the part of their life that they're going through. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very emotional. Absolutely. Um, did you do anything different to prepare for his postpartum or your postpartum with him that made it that way? Or was it just something else? No, it was, we planned, we made changes. So when I walked out of that office and I went home and drove to my husband and I said, we're going to need help because I can't do this by myself anymore. We need a support system. Um, we hired a nanny knowing that we would need people to go to the grocery store or to make dinner, someone to do all the things that I do and just be a sounding board for my kids to have, you know, their buckets filled. Cause I would feel guilty and bad about not being able to meet their needs if I was having to feed a baby um, because I believe that baby is so dependent and needs that attention so fully in the beginning. Um, so we hired a nanny. We made sure that, you know, the girls were taken care of, you know, that we were taken care of. I worked um, with not only a talk therapist, but um, a psychiatrist with the OB's office because even with these home births, we do dual care. And our OB, I would see my OB and I would see the, the midwife just so that we had all options taken care of for safety. Um, so I would talk to the psychiatrist and she had had me take, um, it's called Zeppelin and it's like a, a folate, like a, like a, it's like a food-based supplement that is usually used in conjunction with other like SSRIs for depression. Um, but I didn't really feel comfortable taking SSRIs during pregnancy, um, my personal choice for other people, it might be the right choice. Um, but we opted for Deplin and I was taking that the entire pregnancy. I continued taking it postpartum. Was it that that made the difference? I don't know. Was it the fact that we had support? Um, yes, I definitely think support is everything. Um, you know, right nutrition, just making sure, you know, I was taking supplements this pregnancy. I'd seen a nutritionist um, before I got pregnant with Matthew. Um, and she had me taking, you know, vitamin D, vitamin B complex, um, some vitamin C supplements, like pulsing that in into my diet. She was like working with me on nutrient dense foods that would build up my supplies so that I wouldn't crash after postpartum. So I think food is a huge element for our like physical health, which helps our mental health. Um, so those were the changes that we implemented. Um, and I don't know what, which one was like the deciding factor or if it was all of it combined. Um, but the, this postpartum was, it was a completely different story. It really was. 
Yeah, that is so amazing to hear all three of your stories. They're so whole and so full and all three together just are so beautiful and it just so good to hear. Um, and I'd love if you would share any words of wisdom to other postpartum moms or soon to be postpartum moms out there that could just get some wisdom from you. I think the biggest things, um, is to talk about it with, you know, make sure you have a person be open with your feelings. Uh, nothing is abnormal. Nothing is wrong. I had a lot of, um, shame thinking I was broken and that I was somehow wrong in feeling the depression and the rage and the anxiety. Um, but you're not broken and you just need help. Um, talking with a friend or a husband or a mom, um, or a doula or your midwife, um, or your doctor, you know, just being open and and unafraid, um, and just taking care of you. I think there's a book called The First 40 Days, which I wish every mother would read in pregnancy and preparing for postpartum. It lays out the necessity for rest. It lays out the necessity for nesting with your baby and for taking care of you with really good nutrition so that you don't get depleted. Um, I think those are all really, really big things. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your story and being so vulnerable I just think that it is incredibly important for other mamas to hear really, really honest, vulnerable stories like yours. So thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I appreciate you asking me on your podcast. It was really, it was really good to share with you. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you. And thank you so much, listener. If you enjoyed hearing Megan's story as much as I did, Give us a rating, subscribe, and share with your friends. It really helps other folks find our podcast and feel seen and less alone.